Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside, told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, welcome to this Tuesday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up on today's program, from Buckhead to South DeKalb to East Cobb, Cityhood movements, they are all the buzz. As for the city of East Cobb, not all residents are in favor of that idea. We'll hear from a coalition that's against the proposed city of East Cobb. Also, third-party candidates, not uncommon, but often face difficult chances of being elected and sometimes even getting noticed. We'll discuss why. All those conversations are coming up, but first this. It won't be long before the swarm of campaign ads, social media attacks, and supporters gathering at rallies will all get underway. The 2022 November elections and everything before them promise to be interesting, if not entertaining. The next battleground will likely be the legislative session, which starts in a few weeks. Our WABE politics reporter Raul Bali spoke with Georgia's House Speaker David Ralston. Of course, he's one of the most powerful figures in state politics and a key figure in any legislative fight. Now, here's what Speaker Ralston said about any, any pending legislation regarding abortion. Well, we have a case uh, from Mississippi that's now pending before the U.S. Supreme Court, and and I think everybody anticipates that we will get a ruling in that case uh, sometime in the first half of the year. I think that we would be well served to wait on that ruling before we tackle that issue again. Look, that's that's probably the most emotionally charged. Uh, issue that we deal with here. I remember when we took up the heartbeat bill in 2019, it was a very intense debate. I'm not opposed to intense debates, but if we're going to have one, let's kind of know what the guardrails are going to be, and I think we'll have those once the Supreme Court uh, renders their decision. That is Georgia House Speaker David Roston there in conversation with our own Raul Bali. Now, there's more of their conversation, including Roston talking about Atlanta Mayor-elect Andre Dickens and gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams. And you can listen to the entire interview at WABE.org for that conversation. In other news, federal officials are encouraging people who want Affordable Care Act health and health, co- health excuse me health coverage that starts next year to sign up by December 15th. But even people who missed that deadline can still enroll through January 15th. Now, Shakita Brooks-Lashore is the head of the Centers for Medicare and Medical Services, which oversees the ACA. There are procrastinators out there. I know I personally have things I need to do by the end of the year. And sometimes, you know, it's during the holidays when people are with their families and taking a little bit of time that they start thinking about these important things like needing to make sure they have health care coverage. And that's why we decided to give additional time this year. Now, Brooks LaSure says people who sign up by January 15th will be covered as of February 1st. Many Georgians are likely to find cheaper Obamacare plans this year. That's thanks in part to incentives included in the Biden administration's American Rescue Plan. And finally, some some good news. We're going to talk about some good news. Spelman College will receive a pretty sizable financial gift in the neighborhood of $12 million dollars. The Letty Pate Evans Foundation is getting is giving gifting the women's all women's institution with the funds towards Spelman's new quote state of the art academic facility, according to Spelman President Mary Schmidt Campbell quote this new facility will be a dynamic learning environment that encourages Spelman students to master their chosen fields and utilize technology, inspired solutions to solve persistent urban problems close quote again twelve million dollars for. Spelman College, not bad. To date, the college has raised about $81.5 million toward the completion of the building. And we often talk to university presidents. We often talk to 
people who are younger than university presidents like 12-year-olds. Yes, we've had 12-year-olds on the program, 8-year-olds on the program. We talked to everybody because here at Closer Look, we feel that everyone has something to say. Kind of like what Andre 3000 said back in, what, 94, 95, Reggie? South got something to say? Well, here I'm, right. I'm here to tell you that we got something to say because here we are in the year-end <laughs> fundraiser. We're asking for your donations because it helps us to create a better understanding, we think, and interesting interviews and smiles along the way, like when I interview little ones. And right now we've got another reason for you all to give, and here to tell you about it is Reggie Hicks. No Georgia Bulldogs hat today. What's up? Um, I'm in mourning. So. <laughs> Y'all ain't lost yet. Well, you know, I know we get a second chance, but right now I'm just, you know, sort of gradually getting back on the positive side of things. But you have an opportunity to to be positive throughout Closer Look. And, and Rose, just thank you for all the wonderful things you do. Uh, I learned so much from Closer Look. And if you do as well, we've got a special incentive for you when you make that call or at uh, 678-553-9090 or when you go to wabe.org slash donate, you will be automatically entered into a drawing to win a $250 American Express gift card. Now, we're looking for first-time donations, of course, but this drawing is open to anyone who donates between now, Rose, and the end of Closer Closer look. All right. And because right now your odds are one in one. I like that. You got like it. That. One in one. Well, for now. <laughs> right, for now. <laughs> your gift right now in this fundraiser helps to bring you Closer Look along with all the other reasons you listen to 90.1. So again, wabe.org slash donate or give us a call at 678-553-9090. My name is Erin Lebo-Skelly and I live in Capitol View, Southwest Atlanta. I really like Rose Scott herself. She just always asks the right questions, very insightful. The topics are usually of interest to me. I think she has often a good rapport with the people she's speaking with. I think especially maybe because oftentimes, you know, she's speaking with local folks about local issues. It stands out a little more maybe. WABE sounds local because it is local and it should be. We should be discussing all of those issues that we call here, Reggie, those quality of life issues. We're going to talk about cityhood right. in just a moment. It could be anything, education, health and wellness. You know, we talked about the the upcoming Affordable, Affordable Care yeah. Act, Act uh, insurance. So anything that we feel affects everyone's quality of life that's what we want to talk even, about even sports even sports i was on your show that's right yeah and y'all didn't y'all lose <laughs> anyway as we move on <laughs> didn't i tell you i was already a morning <laughs> and we do work very hard and our, our closer look team yeah, is is small but they're mighty we just added sam whitehead he's our senior producer of course he was wab's health reporter but we got him he's still part of the family <laughs> it's all one big family so we all we work long hours to bring you a show with such a clear window i think into the world of atlanta and in these member drives I'm just going to say this. We hope that you support programs like Closer mm-hmm. Look, like City Lights, anything with H. Johnson. H. Johnson could do a show on breakfast cereal. <laughs> I'm there. Right. That's how much I love this right. man. So today we're asking you to take just a few minutes and make a year-end gift of support to make sure that these shows continue. So please consider giving monthly what we call a sustaining gift. And we found, Reggie, that most of our new sustainers choose a gift about $10 a right. month. Mm-hmm. So please give at whatever level is comfortable for you at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. And you know, Rose, we are in the final moments of this campaign, kind of winding it up. And you have an opportunity here to make your year-end gift. And think about this, 84% of what it takes to really bring you not only closer look, but all of the other programs that you come to expect and love right here on WABE. That comes from you listening right now, turning that listenership into membership. That's how you do it. And the first thing to really initiate that process is to go to the website at wabe.org slash donate or give us a call at 678-553-9090. Your gift right now helps support it. And again, wabe.org slash donate. And we're thanking you in advance. When you give to WABE as a new sustainer at $10 a month, we'd like to thank you with our popular Forever I Love Atlanta mug. It features hand-drawn designs of some of Atlanta's most familiar and iconic landmarks, along with the WABE logo. And it was designed by Atlanta artist India Nabarro. 
It's yours as a monthly donor at just $10 a month or with a one-time gift of $120. In addition to this thank you gift, you'll also automatically get the PBS streaming channel Passport. When you donate to WABE right now, it helps us amplify the good, the greater good of Atlanta. Please give. It only takes a moment at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. Thank you. And you know, Rose, that mug is is really very special. Um, it's one of the uh, favorite uh, thank you gifts mm-hmm. that our, our donors love to get. And right now I can have one filled with coffee because I've been up since 4 o'clock. I know, and I appreciate <laughs> you doing double duty. I, I had the mug, but my producer Daniel took what well, yeah, well, I well, gave them. I, I had to, to be here on your show because, um, you know, your show is appointment listening. And I just tune in at, at one every day to, to listen and, and learn. And, you know, the amount that you give, it really depends on you. So we're going to leave that up to you, $10 a month, $20 a month, becoming a sustainer. Remember, if you've got the gift card for you, you're automatically entered to win when you make that contribution at wabe.org slash donate. And, you know, Rose, we're always thanking people because, you know, this is what makes uh, WABE and really public media and public radio. This is how we work, you know, with that investment. Well, every little bit helps, as my father would say. <laughs> every little bit right. helps, so one give what you one. can, every yeah. one by one. And remember now, today, you're going to be entered into the drawing to win a $250 American Express gift card. And listen, if you are going to be listening in the evening rebroadcast of Clolo, we call it Clolo. Yeah, okay. right. The hip right. people call it Clolo. Um, we're also going to enter you yeah. into the drawing, too. So be sure right. to give your gift as well at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. And as always, we say thank you. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. And Closer Look continues now. This is 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's Choice for NPR, where we're amplifying voices. And we're going to do that right now. I'm Rose Scott. Currently, there are not one, not two, not even three, but four cityhood movements in Cobb County. They are as follows. Lost Mountain, Mapleton, Vinings, and the city of East Cobb. Now, I recently recently spoke with Craig Chapin. He's the president of the East Cobb City Committee. Now, Craig told me that East Cobb has experienced what he called explosive growth in the past few years. And the committee, he says, is pushing for better management and more representation. Um, I personally and, and the committee, we're proud to be part of Cobb County. We're proud to be in Cobb County. But there are some areas within, you know, our, our community that we want to be able to have more of a local control, kind of a representative government. Mm-hmm. It's not more government, but it really is about how do you control things that are more representative. Like what? So local zoning is a great example of that. So, you know, right now within Cobb County, I think that Cobb County incorporates incorporates almost 350 square miles. Mm -hmm. There's over 785,000 residents. Within the proposed city, we would have about 50,000 residents and be about 25 square miles. Within that group, we actually vote, if you live in any one section of the county of Cobb, you actually vote for the the commissioners Mm -hmm. that's in your area and then for the chair. Well, there's a total of four commissioners in the chair, so there's a five. So you really only vote for two of five people that make all the decisions that can, that, you know, control the area that you live in. That's what Craig told me. But not all East Cobb residents are in support of the desire to become a new city. Mindy Seeger is the co-leader of the East Cobb Alliance, and she joins me now. Mindy, welcome to the program. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Rose, and um, thank you so much for having us and giving us the opportunity. I feel cooler even just um, being with Rose Scott, and uh, I learned 
Um, I'll have to give proper credit now. I've used the South has something to say before and didn't know exactly where that came from. So See? I'll have to give there you go. I'll have to give under his props on that. There um, you go. That, you well, know. Minnie, let's start here. How long have you lived in in Cobb County? Um, I've been in Cobb County now since 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband, the house that we share, um, he's been here. He grew up here. Um, they moved here when he was in eighth or ninth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and we live a few miles from where he spent his teen years. So he's been in this house um, since 1997. Wow. Um, so we've been here a while. How would you describe your community? If someone said, hey, tell me about, in particularly when we're talking about the East Cobb portion, but how would you describe it? Sure. I mean, East Cobb is um, a community of very smart folks. Um, you know, we, we live in one of the most affluent congressional districts um, in the state. Um, a lot of educated folks. Um, you know, there's kind of the, the moniker East Cobb snobs. Um, you know, but there <laughs> are you proud of that? You're not proud of that, are you? <laughs> I'm not part of that, actually. But um, I'm I'm from I hail from St. Louis, Missouri, originally. And, you know, it's my uh, hometown, right? I did not know that. See, I'm, I've learned so much. And then we've been on, what, a few minutes? Yeah, what high school did you go to? Uh, I went to Hayes Woody's. That's, I was just going to ask you the same question. That's a St. Louis thing. What high school did you go to? It tells you everything. Did you, you did you go that. to school with Tony Van Zandt? Uh, doesn't sound familiar, but. It's like it's like Rose and Mindy having their own conversation. We'll have that later. Right, but right, right, no. right. So you so, went to uh, Hazelwood East. Good high school. I, I did. I went to Rosada Kane. Even better high school. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go nice, man. I know plenty of people. Uh. So, you know, we're a community that um, does pretty well for themselves, um, you know, but I think there are people in this community and people that I've talked to, you know, part of why they choose to be here um, are the schools. Great. We have great schools here in particularly in this part of Cobb County, Mm -hmm. Um, but they like the idea that it's unincorporated. They like the idea that they don't have this, you know, additional city layer of government, um, Mm -hmm in there but you heard craig say that you know we feel like in our little part of the town of the county we don't have the representation that we feel we need and and they want to be able to control through his lens his words as he put it for example zoning uh what's your response to that you know i mean i think obviously you can't make all the people happy all the time right we know this but we have mechanisms in place we have a cobb county commission um, you know, and, and my question, and I asked this a couple years ago when we went through this exercise um, just a couple sessions ago, you know, what what is the group doing that, that feels like they're not getting that representation? Mm-hmm. Are they going to those meetings? Are they engaging with those leaders? And we, you know, we have a new county commissioner in our post. Our previous commissioner, Bob Ott, um, sought not to get seek reelection. We have a new commissioner in that post. We have a new chair. Um, you know, and, and I always think about how are you engaging with the avenues that already exist? Um, and, and getting what you want without having to create this. Because here's the thing, you create a city government and it is additional government. And I mean, there's no way around that. It is an additional layer, um, you know, that exists in perpetuity, that exists forever. And how do you then maintain that going, you know, you're building something that you have to then maintain. And what's that long-term view? What's that long-term plan? Have you presented these questions and, and these same concerns to folks that are part of the, the East City of East Cobb movement? Have y'all had conversations? Maybe your neighbors. What what are those conversations like? Um, as far as with the committee, I mean, we I've engaged with them, um, you know, when they have their meetings. I will give this new um, committee, it's a new slate of folks that are working on this effort now, um, that they have been more communicative um, in having, you know, Zoom um, town hall meetings. However, if you're not within their proposed boundaries, you're not allowed in those meetings. Um, you have to watch, you can watch them on their website after the fact, but there's already a sense of kind of exclusionary. And there are people that consider themselves East Cobb that get left out of the conversation. Then you define East Cobb because Craig gave me a, a he, he had his boundaries. I mean, is it just really a certain area, certain neighborhoods? or How do you see this? Well, I mean, I, you know, I mean, people will draw the boundaries differently. Um, the committee themselves, I mean, the map was smaller than it was bigger. Now it's smaller again. Um, that map has, that map has been ever, ever changing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and some people, when they ask the question, why are we drawn out of the boundary? They're not necessarily asking to be drawn in. They're just asking what was the, what was the premise of being the boundaries being drawn where they are. And, you know, as we saw through redistricting, map making is not easy. Um, you know, you've got census blocks to consider. You have voting precincts, school mm-hmm. attendance zones, 
you know, I, that that gets sticky, but it, it can be done. Because as of right now, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I think Craig mentioned this, we're talking about Shallowford Road on mm-hmm. the north end. Um, and I'm also going to just, just to be fair, I want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm saying this right. Um, Chattahoochee River on the south end. Yeah, and so we go to the Fulton, we go to the Fulton line at the south end at the river. Mm-hmm. Um, but interestingly enough, we don't go to the Fulton line in that north, kind of that northeast corner where Shalford Road cuts off. There's a mm-hmm. small little section that has a Roswell mailing address, but it's Cobb County. Um, that is that is left off, um, you know, and that kind of leaves those folks in. They're not really Roswell, and they can't be they can't be included in Roswell because of the county line rules. Mm-hmm. But they wouldn't be included in the city of East Cobb either. Um, you know, and, and something interesting I thought Craig said too, when he talks about, you know, only being able to vote for two of the five, um, the way that the, the law is written, that the bill is written, we wouldn't get to vote for our mayor. Mm-hmm. Our mayor would be appointed among the, the elected city council members. So you would have a mayor that the people don't get to vote on. We don't, we wouldn't get a direct say in that. Let me ask you this, Mindy, through your lens, do you think the East Cobb Cityhood Committee has been transparent with neighbors? Because if you mentioned that they, some of these meetings are closed. They're closed if you're not within the boundaries. Um, and I know part of that is trying to hone in on the, the folks who would have the opportunity to vote on this if it does come to a referendum. Um, and I know they're looking um, at post, possibly having some more open things um, when we're allowed to kind of do things more in person after the first of the year. Um, but cert- some people some people feel excluded and they're doing a lot of, you know, HOA meetings. Um, and I've made this, suge- I mean, it's not my job to do their homework for them, but I've made the suggestion before, you know, maybe talk about that even if you do it after the fact to say, hey, we met with the neighbors at, you know, XYZ neighborhood mm-hmm. and here's some, of, here's some of the things we talked about. And that, so that isn't necessarily public per se and i think they could do a little better on transparency there do you feel public safety in your community is an issue as well with this cityhood movement with the city of east Cobb? i mean craig mentioned a lot he talked about zoning and i believe a p- city planning code enforcement um but what about public safety is that an issue um, for me personally, I feel, you know, safe in my community. I'm sure we, you know, we do have our issues. If you go to the Cobb County Police website and look at Precinct 4, which is the precinct that covers our area, you know, they talk a lot about um, car entries, people having things taken out of cars that are left unlocked. Um, you know, I grew up in a place where you locked your car because you just knew to do that. Um, you know, but here's the, here's the other thing. I think it's, I, I thought this a couple of years ago and I still feel this way. It's kind of a solution looking for a problem. Mm-hmm. You start a police force, which public safety is two things. It's important it's an, and it's expensive. Um, you know, you start a police force of 70 or 80 officers and a 25 square mile area. How do they drive their revenues? If we look at surrounding police departments and what they're paying, our neighboring community of Sandy Springs pays almost $10,000 more a year than say the city of Marietta on average. Okay, that attracts officers on the front end, but how do you sustain that long-term? Well, there's also the issue too, in terms of you gotta look at pension plans. There's a, a lot that goes into that. Let me ask you this then, is there more through your lens, is, is there something that's not being talked about that you think is also at the core of this cityhood movement that maybe folks just need to be really transparent about and, and upfront about? And if so, um, what is I, it? Yeah, I think the big thing here is what are the hidden costs here? Um, you know, taking on public safety, um, as we said, is expensive. Um, I also think the fire piece is very important because they're talking about, you know, for the proposed area that they have, we would have two fire stations. Mm-hmm. And I think those guys do a great job, but they also have the full support of the, you know, world-class Cobb County Fire Department behind them. If you're a two-station fire department, how do you do that? And I also want to point out something that I think is really important. State law allows for them to acquire those two fire stations um, for $5,000. What the law literally says is that is property in terms of buildings, fixtures, and other improvements. Mm -hmm. That's not a fire truck. That's not movable equipment. Fire trucks are not cheap. Um, and I, I don't really know if that's properly reflected in the um, in the feasibility study. I was going to ask you about that. Have you had a chance to because according to Craig, the feasibility study did say there was a according to the folks that did it at, at a UGA that there would be a twenty seven million dollar surplus. I believe that you all that the city of East Cobb would have. 
I, I think it's somewhere, I, I don't have the study directly in front of me. I want to say the surplus is somewhere in the $3 million range. But here, here's the funny thing about that. The only way in that feasibility study that that works is with franchise fees. And those are fees that would be added on to our utility bills. And those fees go directly to the city. And those are fees that we're, we're not directly paying to a city um, entity at this point. Well, it's not a tax, but it still comes out of my pocket. Um, and there's an additional cost there. I also think when you think about the startup cost of the police department, okay, we talked about, we can talk about salaries and I'm just running numbers with a 70 officer police department based on average salaries. I can get to $3 million really fast. That's just salaries. That's not take-home cars. That's not, you know, any equipment that they need, may need. That's not, that's salary. That's not pension. That's not some of those other things that aren't mentioned. Now, um, I think it's far more expensive than they think it's going to be. Well, and I think for some of the cities, some would cover the, those costs and others want the, the county to, to pick that up. Um, but when you think about Lost Mountain, Vinings, Mapleton, City of East Cobb, you know, four new cities, let's be really clear. All y'all ain't going to make it. We know that. This is not going to happen. But what does it say to you through your lens in terms of just this whole this whole movement of everybody wanting to carve themselves out of out of away from the, the, the county and to create their own city? I mean, I think I think a couple of things. Um, having four cityhood movements um, in Cobb County at the same time makes a very different conversation than when we were talking about this two years ago. I also think, you know, we have to we have to plan in terms of worst case scenarios too. What if all four cities did go through? What kind of disruption would that cause at the county government level to be able to negotiate those funds and those services? And what city would you around? be in? What city would you be in? I would be in East Cobb. East Cobb. I, I am. Yeah, I live close enough to one of the target fire stations that I think no matter how the map is drawn, I'm in either way. Um, you know. And I'm proud of my community. And I think community, if I've learned nothing else um, in my time on this, on, you know, on earth is that you can build community around anything. I don't know that I want to, I need to build community around a, a city government. I think there's a lot of great things that happen in this community, um, you know, and I think we can do that without another layer of government. What are you hearing from the neighbors? You think that this is more people are in favor, more people are against. You all have the East Cobb Alliance. What are you hearing from your neighbors? Um, organically, what I hear from people is they think it's a bad idea. They think it's a solution looking for a problem. Um, they didn't like it a couple of years ago. They don't like it now. Um, and something that I want to point out to you, the, the straw polls that go out, you know, the, the questions are worded in such a way, do you support a referendum that would do this, provide this service? Mm -hmm. Rather not people want a referendum to be able to voice their concern at the ballot box and say yes or no is different than whether or not they would say yes or no. Those mm -hmm. questions, I would prefer to see them separated to really get a temperature of where people are on this. Well, we will keep we'll keep finding out where people exactly are on this because it seems to be the hot button right now. Mindy Seeger is the co-leader of the East Cobb Alliance. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Didn't know you're from St. Louis. That's all right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. make that the closer look do theme song good old sly stone i like that you ever seen sly in concert uh no i haven't actually yeah <laughs> it's, I, it's something yeah i've had a lot i've got a lot of his music love sly yeah. stone the reason we have a fundraiser like this is so i can continue to listen to sly stone but now we're looking for donations to help cover the cost of programs like closer look or to cover the cost of what it takes to bring you conversations like the one we just had, Reggie, about cityhood. And that seems to be, it's a it's a topic. It's mm -hmm. a, what we call a, a hot topic right now. Lots of conversations about cityhood. And we have these conversations and we bring you, we, we feel we bringing you both sides of the conversation, of the issue. And so we hope that you take that in consideration when you take a moment to give your December gift at wabe.org slash donate. I'm joined by Reggie Hicks pulling double duty from this morning. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, Rose. I'm just uh, glad to be here. And again, learning something new. I did not know about the city of East Cobb. 
So, you know, there's so much focus the on proposed city. proposed city. There's so much focus on uh, Buckhead City, right, mm-hmm. that I did not know that that was going on. And, and that's what is that's what local programming is about. And that's what you do when you make that investment in Closer Look and City Lights and the other programs. And right now, when you make that investment in Closer Look, you're going to be entered to win a gift card, an American Express gift card of $250. Right now, you're... The odds are pretty good, like one in three, right? You know, that's not bad at not all. Bad. When you uh, make that call at 678-553-9090 or when you go online at wabe.org slash donate, this is when you have the, the – this is where it all begins. You initiate this this system of investment. And so we're looking to hear from you, and uh, we want to thank you in advance. I'm Zane Coburn, and I live in Ansley Park in Atlanta. When I was a kid, growing up, listening to WAB, driving with my parents, I'd always say, can we please change the radio station? My parents would always say, absolutely not. And because of that, I am now fully enveloped in uh, all the, the offerings that WAB has. <laughs> Way to go, Zane. We appreciate it. Uh, you've experienced that with your son. <laughs> I can relate, you know. Um, all I can remember, my son at age six, seven, driving down the expressway and, and hearing dun, 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 dun. And he's like, oh, no, no, Dad, no, no. <laughs> but I'm happy to report that he is a huge fan now. I I, yeah. I know, and I remember when he was a little one listening yes, to yes. NPR. So, hey, Zane, we appreciate it. Way to go, buddy. Let's say you get 15 bucks a month to WABE. That, that's pretty cool. What does it really do? It does a lot because programs like Closer Look are on the air because we have thousands of people who started their sustaining membership mm-hmm. in a past fundraiser. Maybe it was at 15 bucks a month. It all adds up, and we do this in order to bring you some great programming, Morning Edition, All Things Considered, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And, you know, look, those shows are not free. NPR doesn't say, here you go. Right. Yep. <laughs> it comes out to a, a lot of money, um, probably like around $4,000 plus a day, every day. And that's just for the news magazine shows. So we rely on your gift to help pay this cost. We really appreciate it. And listen, folks, I say, as you just heard Reggie say, do what you can, when you can, when you can. Your gift today helps us amplify the many voices of the Atlanta community. So how do you do it? It's easy. WABE.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. We'll walk you through the process. And thank you. Yeah, and that, again, it's wabe.org slash donate or 678-553-9090. And you know, Rose, you really are making that investment in your hometown NPR station. And I, I'm just, you know, when I come on here, I understand and I and when I listen, the importance of local programming. And that is an investment that you're making every time you call, you go to the website. We are winding down, folks. This is the last moments of our December campaign, the last campaign of 2021. You can make that investment in 2022 right now with the $15 or $20 a month or or one-time contribution, whatever works for you, now's the time to go to the phone, go to the website at wabe.org slash donate and make that contribution. And we're thanking you in advance. WABE is partnering with Dancing Goats to bring you coffee that is ethically sourced, sustainably crafted and roasted locally. When you give to WABE as a new sustainer at $15 a month, we'd like to thank you with the NPR 50th Anniversary Mug and a 12-ounce pack of Dancing Goats Blend Coffee. The 11-ounce mug is red on the inside and white on the outside and features the NPR 50th Anniversary Commemorative logo. And you can choose from four coffee varieties, decaf, regular, whole bean, and percolator. Plus, you'll get one more gift, the PBS Streaming Channel Passport. When you give to WABE, here at Year's End, you're amplifying the good by supporting our mission to create a more informed public. It only takes a moment to give at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-1990. Thank you. And Closer Look continues now. As always, I'm Rose Scott. Third-party candidates, not uncommon, we know, but often they face difficulty in simply winning and even getting noticed. 
And I remember reading, it was a while ago, it was a title from an article speculating why these candidates are poised to, as they put it, never win, not even a presidential election or any of the local elections. And the title was, the United States history of third party candidates is the problem with third parties or with our binary election system. That was from the website fairvote.org. So I asked Tammy Greer, she's assistant professor of political science in the Department of Political Science at Clark Atlanta University, and we talked about this whole idea of third-party candidates and when folks make the decision to support them. Dr. Greer, thanks for taking time. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's begin here because I, in, in researching and looking up you know, third-party candidates, there's all these questions. One, is it a wasted vote? Why are folks fooling around with third party candidates you it's not fair but some folks say look if it's done correctly if the nation changes this political structure party structure then we will have more options for folks what do you make of that just in general just in general it makes sense um because you want to have candidates that are more inclusive of uh, the ideas and the strategies and um, the beliefs of the, the voters overall so to have um, a wide range of candidates actually makes sense because um you know different people need different things uh, People in Georgia need something different from California. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that you would have um, a variety of candidates to meet those particular needs. Should requirements then for third party candidates to get on a ballot, uh, should that be that vary then from state to state is what you're saying? Or should there be something national that the entire nation needs to adhere to? Right. So I think it's important for all of us to uh, to to be clear that elections are the function of the state. So um, when it comes to candidates on the ballot, we have to be clear that having a nationwide um, uh, law, policy, referendum, whatever, um, is actually you know not appropriate because it's all about the state when it comes to the 10th Amendment of the Constitution. So to have the Constitution, um, the you know, for elections to be for the state is what's necessary. So, yes, it is a state by state function. You know, it was announced a few months ago that Andrew Yang was going to launch a a third party uh, because he's no longer, as he put it, identifying as a Democrat. And then I think there's always been this perception that third party candidates tend to hurt the Democrats more than the Republicans. First, we'll start with that. Do you buy that that third party candidates tend to impact more of the Democrats than the Republicans? From a historical perspective, yes. From a historical perspective, third-party candidates uh, tend to come out of um, the post-civil rights version of the Democratic Party. And because of that, you see uh, some of the ideals of the Democratic Party become stronger in third-party candidates. So there's an issue that third-party candidates tend to be really, really firm on, whether it is economics or environmental or housing. Um, That comes traditionally out of the post-civil uh, rights era of the Democratic Party. I was speaking to uh, a candidate who was vying for a city council seat who identified as a progressive and said the problem for, as he saw it, with progressives, uh, they have to align themselves with Democrats for, one, funding, and then number two, also sometimes even be taken you know, seriously because people say, oh, they're just sort of an offshoot of the Democratic Party. One, do you buy that the progressives still need to solely identify with Democrats just because of funding? For funding, yes. That's part of the strategy of um, the two-party system is that there is, um, for Republicans and for the Democratic Party, um, you have resources within those particular big big entities, um, money, um, access to voter rolls, uh, access to people who donated to individual candidates or to the national party overall. And, and those resources are key um, for candidates to run a campaign, a we, successful campaign. A successful mm-hmm. campaign. And then also mm-hmm. this candidate talked about being taken seriously because then folks say, well, yeah, they're a progressive candidate, but I know that they are in line with the Democratic Party. So I'm okay with that. Or you on the other side, they say, well, you know, I know they're in line with the Democrats, so I'm a Republican and that's fine too. So they, that there is that, that they're like the, they're, they're akin, they're related. 
They are. They are akin. They are related, yet they don't actually fit. And that's where um, the the rub is, is that the third party candidates uh, bring substantive issues to the table and substantive solutions to the table. um, Yet, because they're very unique in a particular on a particular issue, um, it, it, it the messaging is amplified when they become a third party rather than being in one of the big two. Well, then here was a question then. Do third party candidates, in a sense, help or even hinder the the largely two party system? We've kind of been talking about it, but through your lens, are they, as I put this as someone who's writing to me now, they are not an asset, Rose. I'm like, okay, this is just what a listener just said to me. But how do third party candidates help or hinder the, the largely two party system here? So um, one could argue that having third party candidates uh, actually helps in terms of amplifying particular issues um, that are the needs of particular communities. So if we talk about um, Andrew Yang and his um, notion of, you know, everyone receiving um, a check um, if you're an adult, whether you're a stay-at-home parent or working um, or just someone who works, um, and, and this additional income. Um, at first, everyone thought that was a, a very far left progressive going to break the budget of you know the federal government. As time went on, you saw, interestingly, conservative mm-hmm. Republicans starting to latch on to the idea, particularly during um, the height of the pandemic when people were losing jobs, how that seems to make sense. So third party candidates almost have a freedom to go ahead and to bring forth issues that the big two parties tend to uh, water down or moderate. And once that uh, that far issue is is uh, illuminated, then it's easier for the one of the two party or even both of them to start accepting that that policy uh, solution or recommendation and then start to massage it to make it digestible mm-hmm. for their particular constituents. Then for a candidate, would it be easier if they just said I'm independent and not really, you know, align themselves with any party? Because there's they a difference. I think I think people think if you're an independent, you're you're obviously you're subscribing to being a part of a third party, which is isn't necessarily true. But then you don't get the resources of the big two parties. Unless you're a billionaire. So, <laughs> and you got still, some money. We've seen, we've seen billionaires, right? That's Who true. have run unsuccessful campaigns because, <laughs> you know, it's not just um, you know, do you have the dollars? It is do you have the infrastructure that will be helpful in order for you to be successful? Well, is there a playbook then that third parties can follow that has been successful that you can point to? And what, what is that strategy then? The strategy, uh, number one, would be do you have um, I know it sounds cliche, uh, but grassroots, right? Are you on the ground? Mm-hmm. Sometimes um, third party candidates want to start at the top and then, you know, don't really move forward. So is there support on the ground? Do people know them as an individual rather than as a label? And then it is all about the culture of the city, the state, the municipality, Um what is that culture like? Is that culture seeped in the two-party system or is there room for um, for additional um, individuals? Is one of the problems also been with some of these third parties in terms of clear identity, clear philosophy, clear platforms that maybe it's not to voters? You know, we hear about certain parties and if you ask someone, what is this party about? And you ask someone who's in the party, Two or three people, you get different answers. I've done that. I know. Right. So it's it's not only is it clear, also, are you moving beyond one issue? So, for example, if you are in the Green Party, the Green Party is very much about environmental issues, which we all applaud in some of those um, concerns and solutions they bring to the table and the two big party systems tend to latch on to them. What is it, though, beyond environmental um, challenges is the Green Party about? Mm-hmm. What about other components? Um, 
the Green Party can argue that their their strong stance on the environment actually is helpful in all the other sectors. Yet, do they connect the dots for the voters or are they leaving up to the voters to connect the dots between their large platform of the environment and how the environment impacts all the other challenges? What about with the Libertarian Party? There's some messaging there that has folks, at least they say to me, not sure what they're about. This is true because on the one hand, it's about um, individual freedom. Um, Yet we see that individual freedom to make choices um, sometimes can contradict the overall public safety and and health. And because of that, you run into some challenges because part of the social contract is that you want government there to help with safety and security. At the same time, if you're huge on, no, I can do all of those things and make all of those decisions myself, then it runs counter to the social contract. Well, then let me ask you, says, before we wrap up, because we've talked about the parties, is there a, I don't want to say a, a demographic that might we might see in the future be successful at either rebranding, reimagining a current oh. third party? And we tend to talk about millennials, but let's face it, millennials, y'all getting old. So now we're focusing on, (laughs) that's my producer's laugh. Now we're focusing on Generation Z. That, that, That age group, could we see them possibly be more successful at trying to get a, a, a successful third party in the mix here in the future? One could argue that that is a thing, right? That they can um, continue to push. Um, At the same time, that's uh, still a heavy lift. Mm -hmm. Um, So part of, um, you know, part of the push or the challenge for ourselves is, can we get, um, can we get more younger folk in these the two party system Mm -hmm. to move the two party system, right? Because if we don't understand the process and the system as exists, and then you try to go out and create another one, then you're going to run into some issues and then everyone's going to be disappointed and say it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. However, if you're able to say, okay, I understand what the structure is. I understand what the process is. I understand how to move that needle forward. Then maybe you can have um, a different outcome. At the same time, I see that the Republicans um, could they could splinter um, uh, right now because of the former president. Mm -hmm. And that's really creating a wedge for um, those that are traditional Republicans versus post-civil rights and those that are uh, more aligned with the former president. Good point. Tammy, good conversation. Tammy Greer, Assistant Professor of Political Science in the Department of Political Science at Clark Atlanta University. Going to have you back. Thank you so much for this conversation. Really important. Thank you so much for having me. It was the night before Christmas. And all through the Hold house. it now, wait, hold it. That's played out. Hit it. Don't you give me all that job about things you wrote before. <laughs> what you know about that, Reggie Hicks? Oh, uh, <laughs> I had the, uh, when the album was a huge single, right? <laughs> it's a classic. Curtis Blow, legend, one of the goats. Argue with me on Facebook or Twitter. I don't care. He is. This is Closer Look here on 90.1 WAB. I'm Rose Scott, joined by Reggie Hicks. With a quick reminder that giving a few dollars will help us create what we call meaningful insight and context to what's happening right mm-hmm. here in Atlanta. We just had a conversation about third-party candidates. We also had a conversation about cityhood. And with just minutes ago, we hope that these are good reasons for you to give because of the conversations that you hear right now, Reggie. You know, Rose, I, I, and when I come in here and I see your team at work, I, I really appreciate the job that you and your team, that, that you do each and every day, folks. This is it's a lot of work to bring you uh, these kinds of, of stories and, and to, to really dig deep and, and to bring these people to the table um, so that you can learn about your city, about our city. And you can make that investment by calling uh, 678-553-9090. It's so important. We're winding down um, our campaign. And when you make that contribution right now, you got a couple more minutes before the 2 o'clock hour, you'll get a 2 
$150 American Express gift card. And we'll automatically enter you to win. Your odds of winning right now, I'm going to say about one in four or five. So you still have an opportunity to to make that commitment. But you know, Rose, we're winding down. The campaign is winding down. The the, the year is winding down. So it's yeah. so important to make that contribution. WAB.org slash donate or 678-553-9090. I'm Tim Mack, NPR's Washington investigative correspondent. Public radio serves as a link between you and elected officials, keeping our government responsible for its promises and for its actions. Getting the story right requires many steps. But once you decide to support this kind of rigorous journalism, making the leap from listener to new member is easy. Here's how to donate to this station. It's really easy. Just call 678-553-9090 or give online at wabe.org slash donate. And right now, again, as we before we went to break and Reggie, you were talking about, right now it's a pretty, pretty cool time to do it because, look, $250 gift card, American oh. Express, during this time of year, too? You can oh, you can do a lot. You can get some socks. <laughs> yeah. And the odds are pretty good when you make that call. Absolutely. Or to the website. You know, think about, folks, how much your world has been broadened simply by listening to WABE. And I know some a lot of folks, Reggie, have been listening for a long time, mm-hmm. a long time. And we appreciate those folks who have not only been listeners but have been members. So please donate at wabe.org slash donate. And as we say, thank you. And let's flip this around, Reggie. How does $10 a month fit into someone's budget? Well, you know, if you think about that premium cup of coffee, you probably had about three or four of them a day. I know I did. Um, That all adds up. So it really is affordable for you to make that uh, contribution as a monthly sustainer at the $10 a month level, 678-553-9090 or online at wabe.org slash donate. And, you know, it's programs like Closer Look, like City Lights, yeah. of course, the great reporting that comes out, comes out, of, out of our award-winning WABE newsroom. You know, 84% of our funding comes from the community that makes all of that possible. So 678-553-9090, or you can give online at wabe.org slash donate. And as we say, always, thank you. And if you really want to know another reason, check out this NPR 50th tote bag. When you give to WABE today at $15 a month, we'd like to send you a really great thank you gift. It's the NPR 50th Anniversary Commemorative Tote Bag. It's perfect for groceries, books, and even the beach. And it features the NPR 50th Anniversary color logo. That's with a new monthly gift of $15 or a one-time gift of $180. You'll also automatically get the PBS Streaming Channel Passport. Your donation here in the year-end fundraiser is important. It not only helps WABE pay for the programs you love, but it helps us pay for vital news coverage in the coming year. Please take a moment to give now at wabe.org slash donate or phone 678-553-9090. Thank you. Yes, thank you. 678-553-9090 or online at wabe.org. That is it for this edition of Closer Look. Sam Whitehead is our senior producer. Janine Etter, LaShawn Hudson, and Daniel Razel are our producers. Our engineer is Kevin Rinker. He rides a bike. Remember, send me an email, rose at wabe.org, to let us know your thoughts on all of the programming. Stay tuned to 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR, Amplifying Voices. I'm Rose Scott. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information, visit our election hub at wabe.org election 2024.